like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are having a fantastic day because, man, it's been it's been a long day. Not necessarily it's been a, a hard day. The day just feels like it's dragging on and on and on and on and on. And it's I'm just ready for this day to just be over. Not necessarily anything, again, nothing bad happened today. I was just driving around town all day, uh, steak, putting stakes in the ground for, sm- for to mark for snow. When the inevitable snowfall does happen here in Des Moines, now it could happen in, like tomorrow. It could happen all the way in January or March. But you know what? It's going to happen because we live here in the great state of Iowa. At least I would assume most people that are listening to this show live in Iowa, but if you live somewhere else, then I don't really know what your predicament is in regards to the snow, but here in Iowa, it can be a bitch and a half at times, and it's it's kind of annoying when it does happen and starts flowing like freaking crazy and just comes out of nowhere. It'll be 70 degrees one day, and then three days later, two degrees with a wind chill of minus 30. It's just how it is and how it's always been here in the great state of Iowa. And uh, we've got some Iowa stuff to talk about a little bit later in the show. Iowa and North Carolina play tonight in basketball. Iowa State and DePaul were supposed to play this past weekend, but that game got postponed. We have other post moments going on in the world of college football. Is that Ohio State, Michigan, the game as it's called, has been canceled. Now, the reasoning is obviously COVID, as it's very good cop-out reasoning. But I'm going to pull the Clemson card when Florida State opted out. And Clemson said they're just basically just said... Florida State's afraid to play us. I'm going to say the same thing here for Michigan, who was going to go into the game with a freshman quarterback against Ohio State. And it's not really the freshman quarterback I'm worried about. It's Michigan's defense is what really scares me for their chances in this game. Because they haven't beat Michigan. They haven't beat Ohio State since, I think, Devin Gardner. Maybe even Darnard Robinson. Maybe there was... Maybe even before that, I can't remember. It's, it was some. It was either Gardner or Robinson, I believe, was the last time Michigan beat Ohio State. And ever since Jim Harbaugh's come in, I believe they've never beat him. Every big thing that they asked him to do when he got hired as the head coach at Michigan, he has not done. Gone to a Big Ten championship game? No. Beat Ohio State? No. Beat Michigan State? No. Go to a college football playoff game? No. Go to a championship game? No. Hasn't done anything. He had that one good year with Wilton Spate as the quarterback, and then they proceeded to lose to Iowa at Kinnick Stadium the week after they just lost to Penn State, and Michigan just annihilated Rutgers 77 to nothing. Well, actually, that was earlier in the season, but Iowa beat Rutgers 14 to nothing. So you can see why most Iowa fans were scared going into that game. And Iowa came out victorious. But that game has been canceled, so you will not be able to see Justin Fields throw for four touchdowns, rush for two throw for 275 yards and rush for 65 yards, and Chris Olave have 140 yards receiving. We're not going to see that today. We're not going to see, or Saturday. We're not going to see that on Saturday. We're going to watch nothing of the sort on Saturday. And even though the game, as it has been called, hasn't been good in years, it's still a fun game to watch, usually. I like I like the history behind the game. I like watching it and going, wow, we're watching Michigan and Ohio State play. This is actually a very fun game. Again, usually it's not very close. More often than not, it's not very close. Michigan has had a lot of coaches recently. You can go by Jim Harbaugh. We had Brady Hoke. We had Rich Rod. 
We had the end of the Lloyd Carr era. None of them have beaten Ohio State. We had Jim Trussell, Urban Meyer, and now Ryan Day. Who would Ryan Day have played or coached this week? Don't know. He didn't coach last week, and Ohio State proved they didn't really need him. And yeah, Ohio State. This is an interesting topic now. With two of their games getting canceled, they had the game against Illinois and then the game against Michigan this week canceled. So, does Ohio State have enough of a resume to A, get to the uh, Big Ten Championship, and B, the college football playoff? Do I think they're one of the top four teams in the country when playing? Yes. But the thing is, they're not really playing games this year. They're getting a lot of their games canceled. So that's going to hurt them a lot. Now, one person it won't hurt is Justin Fields and his draft stock. That thing is set in stone. He's going either he's going to be the second quarterback taken, whether it's second overall, he's going to go in the top five. I think that is extremely well documented at this point. If you are of the idea that he is not going to go second overall or second quarterback taken at least, you're you're stupid. I'm sorry. I love Trey Lance. I love Zach Wilson. I love Kyle Trask, but none of those guys compare to Justin Fields. Not even close. Maybe at the NFL level, they turn out to be absolute ballers. But at the college level, the top two in this draft class in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are miles clear of the next three or four quarterbacks afterwards. And again, this could be one of those drafts where we could possibly see six quarterbacks taken in the first round. Do I believe that will happen? Uh, time will tell. Depends on how the later in the, later in the first round goes because there's going to be guaranteed four. I would guarantee that Trevor, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson will go in the first round. Whether Kyle Trask and Mac Wilson go into the first round is another story. And those two, ironically enough, are going to be the two quarterbacks that are going to be competing for the Heisman Trophy this year. At least one would suspect that Kyle Trask, it's going to go down between Trask and Wilson. And the way Wilson played against LSU on Saturday, because again, we recorded Monday's show on Saturday, so we didn't get to see the nightcap of games, and we didn't get to talk about Sunday's action and Monday's action in the NFL. Well, we weren't going to talk about Monday's action because show comes out on Monday, recorded a couple days or a day before. But I ain't going to talk about that. Mac Wilson, Devontae Smith, and I'm going to say this now. I know Jamar Chase, when playing, is, I would say, undoubtedly the best receiver in college football. But this year... I know Jalen Waddle's going to get a lot of love in the draft because of how fast he is and how he can do multiple things in regards to turning, returning and running and all that kind of stuff, route running. Devontae Smith is amazing. He led Alabama in receiving yards last year, which is kind of crazy to think about when they had two first-round wide receivers go in the first round last year, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. Devontae Smith led them in receiving, followed by Judy, and then Waddle, and then Ruggs. That's an insane... How does that happen? You have two wide receivers leave, and then in waiting, actually you couldn't even say in waiting, just playing alongside these guys, are other first-round wide receivers. And if I'll be shocked this year if Alabama does not win the Natty. Because we talked about this prior to the season starting about Alabama football. Even at the draft, or tor- but right before the draft started, it was like 75% of their underclass, or like their upperclassmen that could go to the draft, it's so like redshirt sophomores and up, 75% of them came back. And we're looking at the likes of Dylan Moses, Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle, I'm pretty sure, uh, Alex Leatherwood, Najee Harris, 
Uh, Pat, I know Patrick Sertan, could he have come out? I don't think so. So never mind on that. But those are just big names right there. That's six players. Wait, so Waddle, Smith, Leatherwood, Moses, Jones, Sertan. Am I forgetting anybody? Najee Harris. That's seven people, unless I said Najee Harris's name twice, which is eh, a very good chance I did do that. That's seven people that could go in the first round from Alabama. That is ridiculous. Alex Leather with the left tackle. Dylan Moses, the inside linebacker. Jones, obviously, the quarterback. Smith, wild wide receiver. Sertan, corner. Najee Harris, running back. All I don't think... Now, I bet there'll be six. I don't think Najee Harris will be a first-round draft pick because as you see where the NFL is going, where running backs... Kind of their importance is dwindling a little bit because they're like, oh, we got a guy in the waiting that can just replace you. So teams will usually wait till the second round to get a running back. Jonathan Taylor had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons in college and went in the second round. Unless you're a receiving back or pass-catching back, more often than not, you'll slip to the second round. That's usually Unless you're just a transcendent talent like Ezekiel or Saquon Barkley or something like that. But if you're a normal running back that still puts up fantastic numbers like Najee Harris does, you'll probably slide to the second round. If I had to bet right now, I think Travis Etienne, I don't even think that's this, I don't even think this is that far of a reach of a bet. Not Travis Etienne will be the only running back draft in the first round. And ever since the Notre Dame game, he's kind of had a a below par season as far as his standards go, but his receiving numbers have gone through the roof. He's at 600-something rushing yards and about, well, not about, over 500 rush, receiving yards this season. 600 rushing yards, 500 receiving yards. So he could be, it could have adjusted that might have been before Saturday night's game against Virginia Tech, but I'm not 100% certain on that, so I will check that right now just to make sure what his numbers are because when I think when he is playing full throttle, I think Travis Etienne is the best running back in college football. So this year... He has 758 rushing yards and 512 receiving yards this season. He has added that receiving element to his game that it wasn't like he could still catch out of the backfield and did, but not as much as he had has this year. If you look at his numbers prior to this season, catching the ball in the backfield, five five catches his first season, then 12, 37, and then 41, gradually going up every single year. You saw in his junior year, his numbers start to boost up with the 37 catches from 12 the season prior. He's already passed his receiving yards total from last year and catches. Averages more yards per catch as well. Rushing numbers down a lot. Yards per attempt have gone way down. But if you look at his sophomore and junior season, average 8.1 and 7.8 yards a carry. He had 24 and 19 touchdowns. 1,600 yards in both seasons. Like, Travis Etienne was, I would say, with... The added element of his pass-catching ability was a better running back last year than he was in 2018. I think when he's fully going, he is the best running back in college football because of what he can do out of the backfield, which is what makes me think he will be the only running back taken in the first round this year's draft. Because there's a lot of re- there's going to be a few running backs that are very good. Now, Brees Hall will be coming back to Iowa State next year, so Iowa State fans... You can get ready for more some for some more Brees Hall action next year. And then Brock Purdy, I would say, is about 95%. I'm 95% sure he's going back to Iowa State this year. He sure as hell is not going to be a first-round draft pick this year or anywhere close to the first round if he leaves this year. And then we talked about this on Monday. Brock Purdy is now Iowa State's all-time greatest quarterback. He's the GOAT as far as Iowa State quarterbacks are concerned. 
Now, Brees Hall has a lot harder competition to keep up with than Brock Purdy because Brees Hall has Troy Davis, who came second. It was a Heisman finalist, Heisman finalist runner-up, Heisman runner-up while playing running back for Iowa State. Back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. But since he played for such a bad team, those Iowa State teams were awful, he didn't win the Heisman, even though he probably should have. I don't even think he won the Doak Walker Award, now that I'm thinking about it. I think someone from uh, Oklahoma State won it. Or t- um, I don't think he won the Doak Walker Award the year he came second in the Heisman, which is ridiculous to think about. But Brees Hall's got a lot more competition in regards to that because Troy Davis is on another freaking level than like Seneca Wallace as far as... And that's, I'm not disrespecting Seneca Wallace. I love Seneca Wallace, the, the quarterback playing for Iowa State, and... For his long NFL career. But Troy Davis is... You could probably say Troy Davis is the best player in Iowa State history. You might go, obviously, Jack Trice in there. Seneca will be up there as well. Uh, is there any other players that I'm completely forgetting about? Uh, who's the cornerback? Re- Johnson. Uh, I can't remember his name. He used to play for the Buccaneers. Tremaine Johnson, no, not Tremaine Johnson. Is it Tremaine Johnson? Not, I think that's an Iowa State corner. He might be up there. Uh, A.J. Klein could be up there. Uh, who is their running back? Jake Knott, he could be up there as well. There's a few you can throw up there, but I think Troy Davis getting second in the Heisman would be the greatest player in Iowa State football history. So that's a little harder for Brees Hall to compete with than Bre- Brock Purdy competing with uh, Seneca and Brett Meyer for, in my opinion, for the battle of Iowa State, greatest Iowa State quarterback of all time. Again, that's just my opinion. I'm not an Iowa State fan. If you're an Iowa State fan and disagree, the, okay, that's your opinion as well. So you probably know a little bit more about Iowa State history than I do, and I would expect you to because other than, I don't know, living in the state of Iowa, I've never really followed Iowa State football that closely. I mean, I have, like, watch. I, I would say... I did go to one or two Iowa State games where they weren't playing Iowa. One of them was against Texas A&M, and Ryan Tannehill. This will throw this will throw back for you. Ryan Tannehill was playing wide receiver for Texas A&M. Gerard Johnson was the quarterback for Texas A&M in that game. Austin Arnott was Iowa State's quarterback. Gerard Johnson was Texas. A&M. He was a freaking monster. He's like six foot seven. He's a freaking animal. And then Ryan Tannehill, who doesn't get as much credit for being as good of an athlete as he is as the starting wide receiver. He only played, I think, one year at quarterback at A&M. He was always the backup, but he was such a good athlete that they just kept him at wide receiver until he was ready to play quarterback for A&M. And then obviously got drafted eighth overall by the Dolphins, traded the Titans, and now we are here where we are now. But that game was interesting. I think A&M ended up winning... I can't really remember what happened in that game, but I do remember going to that game. This was years ago. And then I went to UNI, Iowa State, where David Johnson absolutely obliterated Iowa State's defense. Yeah, that was, other than Christian McCaffrey single-handedly destroying Iowa's will to live in the Rose Bowl, um, David Johnson, I've never seen a running back dominate the way he did that day against the Cyclones at Drag Tri Stadium. I think he scored four touchdowns in that game, three or four touchdowns. Like, David Johnson was freaking monstrous at UNI. And, yeah, he's a UNI legend. Now playing for the Houston Texans. Kind of, not, I mean, a little bit. Having a little career resurgence. 
not anywhere near the levels that he was when he first came into the NFL and got that big contract in Arizona, but he's looking more like his old self than he has the past two years, if that makes any sense. Now, he obviously had the injury. He did come back this week, so good on him for coming back, but yeah, those are the two Iowa State games I've been to, but obviously Iowa State fans would know more about their team than uh, Iowa fan that went to William Penn and UNI. Uh, so I know a little bit about UNI history. I know a little bit about William Penn history. Obviously, being an Iowa fan ever since I was a little kid, I would know the most about Iowa history as opposed to any other school that I have attended. And I, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this, but I feel more of a connection to William Penn than I do to UNI. And I went to, I didn't miss a home football game last year. I didn't miss, actually, well, I may have missed like three basketball games last year. And I love going to UNI basketball games. Me and my friend Noah, I brought up a lot on Saturday or Monday show, I guess. Went to almost every single UNI game. My friend Spencer as well. We went to almost every game. Favorite game was the Evansville game because we sat right behind Evansville's bench. And right on the bench was Iowa legend Todd Licklider. And then the other favorite game that I had last year was against Missouri State when you and I actually absolutely clottered them by like 40 points. And Missouri State was projected to finish first in the Missouri Valley. And you and I absolutely just <laughs> bent them over. It was ridiculous how bad you and I just ruined their Missouri State's will to live. And they finished towards the bottom of the conference. They actually, towards the end of the year, started figuring their shit out. And I think they went to the Missouri Valley Conference Championship, if I'm not mistaken, in the tournament. And then obviously lost to Bradley. But yeah, I would say I have more of a a connection to William Penn than I do. Maybe that helps because I played for the William Penn Statesman, the football team down there. But... Yeah, I still love you and I. I'm not gonna take anything away from you and I sports. I love watching you and I sports. I watched you and I versus uh crap. What was their name? Saint uh An- oh whoa Saint Ambrose Ansbros. I can't remember who they were called because they played East West University their first game of the season. I didn't even know that was a real thing. Saint Ambrose because I remember we were sitting there watching it and they had an all white dude lineup in. And I turned to Noah and I said, this is the St. Ambrose lineup. This is the bros are in right now. And they had a dude. It looked like they stuck a literal mop on his head and a headband. And dude got bodied a couple times, but started making some shots. Okay? So we will not disrespect St. Ambrose, but you and I handled them fairly easily. With Trey Burhow coming back, Bowen Bourne doing his thing as the point guard. Uh, Big news, I don't know if we really talked about this, but A.J. Green... You and I's star player uh, will be out for a little bit with a hip injury. He didn't play against St. Ambrose, Ambrose, but hopefully, and there's been, this is like, the thing, the analysis of his injury is kind of funny because it goes, well, he could do, he could be day-to-day or he could have season-ending hip surgery. So it's like, oh, you have a stomach ache or you have cancer. I'm sorry, that's the, it's like, oh, you either just have a simple headache or you have brain cancer. Like, what, what these aren't two, court, he can either be day-to-day or miss the entire season? How, how the hell does that work out? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you have such a, a wide distance in the timetable here? Either he could come back tomorrow or he won't play the rest of the year. I don't know. 
I don't know. Obviously, Jordan Bohannon missed the season last year for Iowa with a similar situation. And he is back and fully healthy. A.J. Green, though, if this upsets Iowa fans and Iowa basketball fans, Jordan Bohannon fans, I don't care. A.J. Green's got a lot better NBA prospect than Jordan Bohannon. Like, not even really close as far as I've wa- what I've watched of A.J. Green. And I, like I said, I've watched a lot of A.J. Green basketball at UNI. And dude is a freaking machine. Every shot, you would think, like, why are you taking that? And then drills it. Like, when the McLeod Center was sold out against Drake and, uh, I think, Southern Illinois. It might have been somebody else, but I feel like it was Southern Illinois that it got sold out for. A.J. Green went off both those games. He has a very good shot at playing in the association in the coming years. I'm not saying next year or this upcoming draft, but... Once he's done and dusted at UNI, he could be an NBA prospect because of his size, because of his playmaking ability, because of his shot. It's everything is benef- is very beneficial for AJ. He's a very effective free throw shooter as well, which is really cool. I know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but obviously you don't want to miss up on very two you know, like gimme shots like free throws. He makes a lot of free throws. In a season like this, we brought up Bohannon and Obviously, as we said, Iowa and North Carolina are playing tonight. Iowa's ranked third in the nation with Luca Garza pretty much cementing the preseason analysis that he was the best player in college basketball. Grant, they haven't played, they haven't run through a gauntlet per se as far as teams they've played, but he's still looked amazing nonetheless. Iowa as a whole looks shaky at times, but Garza's still looking like Luca Garza of old. And I want to see, I know this will, won't happen. And you and I started off very rough. They're 1-4 to start the season with losses to St. Mary's, Utah State, and or 1-3, and, three, and uh, Western Kentucky. Iowa, obviously 3-0 with wins against teams I don't really remember because I didn't really pay attention to a lot of those games. But I watched you and I's games. I, wanted to, I want to watch Iowa versus you and I. That would be so awesome. Now, I would like to see it last year because you and I is very, very young. They play two freshmen, th- two to three freshmen right now. And obviously, with AJ Green being out hurt, that doesn't really help things. Um, but if you have a fully healthy you and I lineup of Bowen Bourne, AJ Green, then who else would you throw in this lineup? Uh, Burhow, Noah Carter, and Fife. I'm going to bench Taiwan Pickford because he's been one that struggled quite a bit. At the start of the season. Maybe he can pick it up. I really like watching Tyron Pickford. But he struggled a little bit. When Noah Carter scoring 25 in the first game against Western Kentucky. It's kind of hard to bench him right now. And Pickford's always been a very good sixth man for you and I. Coming off the bench the past two seasons. For like Isaiah Brown. When he would come in and replace him. Burhau Haldeman. Coming for all those guys. Um... Yeah, I think we got to relegate him back to the bench. It when AJ Green comes back, when he's when AJ Green's out, then keep the lineup you had against uh, St. Anne's Bros the other night with Bowen Bourne, Trey Burhow, Pickford, Carter, and Fife. Obviously, the starting lineup has changed dra- a little bit. I was talking to Cole from Cole and Company as we talked. I went on his show Friday to do locks of the week and stuff like that. Uh, apparently, my understanding was that Bowen Bourne was the guy that was the emergency starter when Burhau was an, when it was announced Burhau wouldn't be able to go up to South Dakota to play for UNI in that little tournament thing. It was actually Noah Carter, 
Bowen Bourne was going into the season as a starting point guard, which didn't really surprise me in a sense because this would be a chance to get AJ a little bit more off the ball, and AJ's a very capable two guard. He obviously played point guard at UNI, but the problem with UNI these past two seasons since UNI, since AJ Green's been there, is the lack of a real distributor. Now, you've had the likes of Antoine Kimmins has been there, being that, I don't know, a little speed option off the bench, very similar to Joe Toussaint of Iowa, but he's not really a distributor. He's a very drive-first kind of guy, and UNI does this thing where they play the center more of like a point guard situation where he's kind of quarterbacking. They bring the center to the top of the key and have him kind of control everything. Uh, Luke McDonald did that a lot, which is why he started so much uh, my first year at UNI. Because the next year, Luke McDonald didn't really play because Fife came in as a lot better center than Luke McDonald and Justin Dahl would come off the bench both seasons. But McDonald's minutes basically got wiped off the face of the earth when Fife came back. McDonald's real asset was being that quarterback of the team. Other than that, he didn't really provide a lot scoring-wise, shooting-wise, whatever. He's ba- he looked like Adam Woodbury, a shorter version of Adam Woodbury. And for those of you who know me, I was never a fan of Adam Woodbury. So I, lo- I like Luke McDonald, though. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying anything bad about Luke McDonald, but he's very limited as far as, compared to Austin Fife, anyways. Friend of the show, Austin Fife. Yeah. I would love to see you in Iowa. I know Iowa doesn't want to do it. They're, it's really Iowa that's kind of messing this whole thing up with the Big Four Classic type thing. Um, I don't know. I loved it when I was younger when I could go to the Nap Center and watch Drake versus Iowa when I was a Drake fan growing up. I loved watching Drake-Iowa at the Nap Center. Drake-Iowa State at the Nap Center. I went My first basketball, college basketball game ever was Drake versus Evansville. And then Drake-UNI. I went to a lot of Drake games growing up. Loved going to Drake basketball. Other than the Keno Davis team, wasn't very fun to watch. Now, you had guys like Ravante Rice who balled out for Drake, but other than that, there wasn't a lot of great players. Josh Young was a freshman during that really good Drake team, if I recall, and played the rest of his career. Similar Josh Young stuff, balling out, shooting threes. I missed that. But it's Iowa that's kind of messing everything up with that, and it's whatever. But I would just love to see. And they're the same thing with, the wrestling team as well. Iowa doesn't want to wrestle you and I. You and I is trying to wrestle Iowa. Now, I think it doesn't take a, a brainiac to realize or figure out what would Iowa do. The best team in wrestling who was going to win a national championship last year before COVID struck, one would suspect. Spencer Lee, uh, all the other players. I can't think of anybody else at UNI, Iowa wrestling. I don't follow college wrestling too closely. But you and I is trying to fight out, wrestle Iowa. Iowa doesn't want to go to the West Gym, which is where you and I wrestles, not the McLeod Center. I mean... For that match, they probably would move it to the McLeod Center because you and I wrestled Oklahoma State at the McLeod Center, and you and I beat Oklahoma State. So, yeah. Iowa's just got this mentality that we're bigger than everybody, which, technically speaking, they are bigger and more popular than the other schools in Iowa. Sorry to all the other schools in Iowa. But that kind of is annoying when you want teams like you and I to play Iowa in different sports. Now, Iowa will never play you and I in football at the Unidome. That's never going to happen. But you and I is on the FCS level while Iowa and Iowa State are the FBS. So it's really we'll pay you to come up here and get your ass kicked pretty much is essentially what goes on with those games. But, man, I want that to happen. I uh, Garza versus Fife would be fun, even though I know Garza would win. I'd love to see Bohannon versus Green matchup. It'd be a fun game. I would be super pumped to watch that game. 
But as I said, it won't happen. It's it's not happening this year, and it won't happen probably for a while, which is sad because I think it'd be very fun, especially last year. I think you and I last year, that was the best team you and I had in a while as regards to experience and youth with the likes of, as, as I said before, Spencer Haldeman and Isaiah Brown, among others, would have been fun. Isaiah Brown was the best defender in the Missouri Valley. Spencer Haldeman, uh, very shoddy shooter, meaning that he'll shoot a lot, but he won't hit a lot of them. And once he does hit one, he'll hit like three or four or five in a row and then get on a really cold streak. The first game of the year last year, Noah and I went, and it wasn't the fir- was it the first game? I think it was the first game. Spencer Haldeman went like three for thirteen or three for fifteen from three or something like that. And those three threes he made were all in a row. So it wasn't like he <laughs> like he once he makes one, he'll make a few in a row. But then once he misses, it's like oh, it's over. That that was the bad part. You and I was a very Let's hope this three goes in and not really work it inside, which was very frustrating at times last year, watching them play. And that's essentially why they lost to Drake in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And it was a bad matchup for them because Drake just beat them at the at, uh, the Nap Center in Des Moines. Or you and I beat Drake at the Nap Center in Des Moines. And then Drake was going to come in motivated, and they took it to you and I. We I was doing a show while the game was going on, while I was at KULT. We literally, I was recording a show in the station, following it on my laptop, talking about it as the game was going on. But yeah, man, what did, what the hell were we even talking about to begin with? How did, how the hell did we lead or get to this point of you and I basketball? We've never talked about that. What was leading, what led up to this point? Now I'm very confused. I get this a lot now, you know. Going off topic a lot, and I don't even think we really had a topic to begin with. We talked about the game with Ohio State. Then we talked about Iowa State football because we talked about Brock Purdy going to the NFL and then Reese Hall versus Troy Davis. Then it went to Iowa basketball because they played tonight, then Iowa State basketball. That's really what kind of got it started, I would guess. And then you and I versus Iowa, and yeah, that's where we are now. So, fun. Let's go. The Logan Blackman Show. Let's go. That's what you get. No idea what's going on for the entire show, but it's just knowledge getting blasted at your brain by a freaking stormtrooper that had its mask turned around. Because you already know they can't shoot. So why not just shoot with your mask turned around? It can't be much worse than what you're already doing. So might as well just shoot blind. Maybe they are shooting blind. Maybe they're all blind. Maybe their eyes got taken out when they were first either cloned or when they were first... uh, kidnapped from their families. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. I I wasn't there. I couldn't tell you what happened. I wasn't there. But yeah, I'm excited. Iowa, North Carolina is tonight. That'll be a very fun matchup. And I was talking to Noah about this the other day. This is one time that I would actually be disappointed if Iowa lost to North Carolina. Because like like we talked about a little bit ago, or like with COVID and everything, these big-time college programs such as North Carolina, Duke, all of these guys aren't going to have home court advantages anymore for these big-time matchups. I know this isn't at North Carolina, but it'd be kind of crazy. If it was at Carver, which it is at Carver, but if they had the home court advantage at Carver, would this be different? I don't know. I've never been to a game at Carver Hawkeye Arena. 
the only time I've ever watched, I've actually, fun fact, I was just about to try and figure out a game I've been to with Iowa. I've never watched Iowa live. Never once, never in my life have I ever seen Iowa live. Watched them on TV when they played Drake. I know we talked about that earlier, but now I'm thinking about it. I don't think I ever watched the Hawkeyes in person. I watched them play Drake because Drake used to be on channel 5.2 because we didn't have cable growing up. So we had uh, channel 5.1, 5.2. We had all the cool channels. So like Drake would play at 5.2. Iowa State was on ABC, which was channel 5 because John Walters at the time was working for ABC. For ABC News here in Des Moines, not the big-time corporation ABC. The ABC News team in Des Moines. So Iowa State was always on Channel 5. So you always had either Iowa State or Drake games on. And obviously, being a Drake fan, wanted to watch those games. But liking Iowa as well. I was never really a big Iowa basketball fan. I never really was. I liked Iowa basketball, and I followed Iowa basketball. But when I was younger, I was like, I liked Drake a lot, and I liked UCLA. I like Darren. Darren Collison is one of my favorite college players of all time. I know it's a weird player to say he was one of your favorites, but I loved watching Darren Collison play for UCLA. Yeah, Luke Richard Mabamute, uh, Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook was obviously there. There was one other guy, Josh Bell. Not the Pittsburgh Pirate. I think there was a dude named Josh Bell. He's number three. What was his name? His brother played at Washington. What was his name? I mean... Drew Holiday is another example of that. His brother played at Washington, but that wasn't who I was thinking of. Uh, wow, what was his name? He was number three. I think he was the leading scorer on those teams. Well, I cannot remember. I am completely blank. Drew Holiday was a lot of fun to watch at UCLA as well. But, yeah, never, that's weird. I've never watched Iowa Live. And this, I would be disappointed they lost. I watched them play against North Carolina. Again, this is like the fifth or sixth time I've mentioned him in the last two shows. But Noah's house... Or maybe that was at my grandparents' house. I can't remember. But North Carolina lost to Iowa with Mike Gassell at Iowa. It's my least favorite guards of all time was Mike Gassell and Anthony Clemens. Good Lord. Anthony Clemens is one of my least favorite Iowa players of all time. Right next to the likes of Woodbury and Andrew Brommer. Actually, I shouldn't say that about Andrew Brommer. I'm sorry, Brommer. I, I like you. I like you. We're friends. We're friends. Man, I did not think I would talk this much college basketball today. It's ridiculous. This is very ridiculous. Now, this got brought up today, and big update in the NFL world, the NFL, just switching topics like that. Not even worried about it anymore. Switching topics. Because, you know, North Carolina, next year, they're going to have a quarterback going probably in the top 15 of the draft. At least first round. I shouldn't say top 15 guaranteed. But Sam Howell will more than likely go in the first round. I'd be absolutely shocked if he did not go in the first round. So, this makes sense to bring up football when we're talking. We just talked about North Carolina, uh, Iowa. Uh, Petrus will obviously go number one overall next year. Uh, he balled out against Illinois, so you know what? Or had a good game against Illinois, so you know what? I'm done hating on Petrus. He is back. Petrus is absolutely the king. And yes, I am all for Spencer Petrus because did you see him against Illinois this weekend? Illinois, stout defense. And am I right? But, okay, jokes aside. Uh, Carson Wentz got benched in Philly, which was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, the Eagles, obviously, their mindset, because if you look at what happened during the game with the Eagles versus the Packers this past weekend, it's not like Jalen Hurts balled out against the Packers. Uh, as far as completion percentage goes and passes and stuff like that, very similar to that of Wentz. 5 of 12, Wentz was 6 for 15. 
Uh, Hurts did put up a lot more yards because, again, it was garbage time, so the Eagles were trying to score just make-up points. Kind of basically at the Titans and Browns game, that game was 35 to like or 38 to like 7 at one point. The Titans were never in that game until late, and then they lost 41 to 35 or something like that because they started going downfield and trying to get garbage time points. That's what the Eagles did, so that's why Hurts' passing yards numbers looks really good. But he threw an interception as well. QBRs are pretty damn similar. 34.3 for Hertz, 37.2 for Wentz. This isn't a case of, at least that I'm looking at this right now, this reminds me of a situation where the Bills with Tyrod Taylor, uh, the difference is the Bills team of that were getting absolutely obliterated back-to-back games, more so by the defense being bad as opposed to the offense. But the offense couldn't score, so that was a problem as well. Uh, so Tyrod Taylor got benched for Nathan Peterman. And you all know the story at this point. We'll talk about the Bills in a little bit as well. Because they balled the F out on Monday Night Football. Good Lord. We'll talk about that. And also the Steelers versus Washington football team. This is looks like kind of a change of pace type thing. Do I really think Doug Peterson thinks Jalen Hurts is a better overall quarterback than Wentz? Probably not. But I think they're going in there thinking, well... We haven't won a game in a very long time. We have looked very bad. And a lot of these games, offensively, we have been dead in the water. We have lost four straight games. Now, three actually, all of those games are against playoff teams and teams that are either first or second in their division. And the Giants, which is sad, but the Giants beat the Seahawks this week. Who Then we got the Browns, Seahawks, and Packers. Offensively, look dead. They scored 17 points. In three of the last four games. In the other game, they scored 16. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's not bad, but when the other teams are scoring upwards of 20 points, it's not very fun. It's not very a fun time. But they just want to change the scenery on offense. Wentz is doing too much hero ball, which is hurting them. O-line obviously sucks, but if you look at his numbers, he's not doing great with a clean pocket either. So, it kind of hurts. Uh, Wentz is expensive. He's a very expensive person. Uh, obviously, he was going to win the MVP a few years ago, tore his ACL, so that ruled him out doing so. Eagles won the Super Bowl. They erected a statue of Nick Foles out in the right outside Lincoln Financial Field. Then they draft a quarterback in the second round, and then now Wentz is done. At least for right now. Maybe not forever, but he's done right now. And this something I heard this the other day. I don't remember where I heard this, but it was... If, the, if Wentz is really bothered by Foles and then the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts, he's not a franchise quarterback to begin with. So look at Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers got a quarterback drafted, and they traded up to get Jordan Love. And that's looking like an even dumber pick than it originally did because Jordan Love doesn't even dress for games. He doesn't even dress. And Aaron Rodgers is in the running. He's top two MVP candidate right now. So what was the pick for? We're looking towards the future. Well, you're going to have to trade Jordan Love because Rodgers doesn't look like he's going to be done anytime soon unless you trade him away. Would you better hope when you trade him away or if you trade him away, Love better be good because if he's not good, Lord. And we've already discussed that if this draft's getting compared to the 4 draft of Manning, Eli, Roethlisberger, and Rivers, and that means it's Burrow, Herbert, and Tua, that means, by default, Jordan loves the J.P. Lossman of the group because J.P. Lossman was drafted last in that first round out of the quarterbacks, not last pick. He was drafted like 22nd, I think. 
Now, obviously, I joke about J.P. Lossman because that was my childhood, and I love J.P. Lossman now. Back then, not so much. But now, I have a J.P. Lossman jersey, and he's coaching Trevor Lawrence, so he's a good quarterback. But that means that, that, oh, man, I'm not saying that is happening, but there is an old adage that says history repeats itself. And hopefully, for the Packers' sake, history didn't repeat themselves. But thankfully for them, unlike the Bills, the Bills had Drew Bledsoe. The Packers have Aaron Rodgers. I would much rather have Aaron Rodgers, the starting quarterback of my franchise, than Drew Bledsoe. I'm sorry, Drew Bledsoe was my favorite player growing up, but I think most people would rather have Aaron Rodgers. I don't really think that's a shout. I think that's. I think a lot of people would probably agree with me on that. Maybe you don't, but maybe, you know what, whatever. Nostalgia-wise, I take Bledsoe. But you know what? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm obviously not taking Drew Bledsoe over Aaron Rodgers. That's stupid. But you traded up to get this guy. Rodgers has not really been affected at all by this. In fact, it's actually made him play better. Now, the Eagles also, Howie Roseman has not done a great job drafting recently. As you look at two receivers that are balling out, in particular Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf, they drafted two receivers before those guys, and Jalen Rager, who's been hurt all year, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who has basically had hands of stone the past two seasons. And I didn't... Okay, here's the thing. I We've talked about this quite a bit, I think, on the show. I thought the Eagles would take Jalen Rager. I'm not surprised that they took him. I'm surprised by the fact they took him before Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson, right now is on pace to have one of the greatest rookie receiving yards seasons in a very long time. He's about to break Anquan Bolden's all rookie season single season receiving yards record. He's already passed the pace of him. He's already over a thousand yards receiving. He's fourth in the league in receiving yards, if I remember correctly. Which, funnily enough, is two yards above Stephon Diggs. Two yards. I'm pretty sure he's at one thousand thirty seven. I think Diggs is at one one thousand thirty five. Or like 1,039, 1,037. I can't remember how it goes. But he is two yards more than Diggs. You cannot find a more win-win trade in recent NFL history than that. The Bills were going to draft, at least I would hope the Bills were going to draft Justin Jefferson. They were linked with T. Higgins a lot as well. But it looked like Justin Jefferson would be the guy. And then once he ran, which is sad that he had to run a 4-5 or under a 4-5-40 to get drafted in the first round is ridiculous to begin with. Because we saw what he did at LSU and balled out. Why was he going to fall in the second round? And then the Eagles, he's there. You didn't get CeeDee Lamb. Okay, so why not get the next best receiver available in Jefferson? Why take Nelson Aguilar 2.0 and Jalen Rager? No, can't really catch, at least didn't in college, had questionable hands, and fast, straight line speed. That's what Aguilar was coming out of USC. That's what Rager is. But the difference is Rager's been hurt all year. Jefferson Jefferson's been balling out. DK Metcalf has been balling out. I'm pretty sure, and I need to double check this. I think it's obvious, but I, I, you never know. It's like the situation where you add 2 plus 2 in the calculator to make sure it equals 4, but you know it equals 4, but you just want to make sure. Uh, DK Metcalf's first in the league in receiving, and Justin Jefferson is fourth, and it is 1,039 for Jefferson, 1,037 for Diggs. Those two guys the Eagles passed on. And drafted other wide receivers. Like, you can get past missing on a position or not drafting a player. Because you can be like, oh, they didn't need a guy. If you didn't draft that position, it's not like, well, they needed this guy anyways. No. 
They passed on him and drafted another wide receiver. I don't know what you watched with Jalen Rager at TCU and Just Jefferson at LSU and thought Jalen Rager is the better wide receiver. What did you watch that said that? What in the world did you watch other than knowing he can run faster? What is that? To, there's there's not a t- there's a lot of not quote unquote blazers in the NFL as regards to how fast they are. But you went with the, the fast guy. You went the fast guy over the better wide receiver. Obviously better wide receiver. It was known going in. Jalen Rager didn't go into the first round until like two days before the draft. Then everybody started talking about it. I had the Eagles taking Rager. So I'm again, I'm not saying the Eagles should not have taken Rager. But I'm saying the Eagles should have traded back and taken him. Like I had. I think I had him trading back with Baltimore. Who were going to take a linebacker. And they took Queen. I think I had him trading up to take Murray. But either way, they were going to take a linebacker. Why would you not draft Jefferson if he's available? That is idiotic. The Vikings, hey, we're talking about value picks. We talked about this after the draft. The Vikings, value pick-wise, had the best draft with not trading up to get Justin Jefferson with the Eagles taking Jalen Rager before him. Now, I do think the Vikings should have taken Jalen Johnson over Jeff Gladney. I said that at the draft, and I'm saying it now, but Jalen Johnson had shoulder surgery, so that kind of hurt his draft stock a little bit. But, man, Carson Wentz got to be sitting there. Everybody talks about Aaron Rodgers being pissed off, like, oh, you didn't draft me any wide receivers. At least he has Devontae Adams. Wentz don't have anybody. He has Alshon Jeffrey, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, because he's Spanish, so we have the the-the thing. Not Arcega Whiteside. It's like when you talk about Barcelona, it's actually Barcelona. Shut up. Go, 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 go do something else. I'm not listening to you. Like, come on. And Wentz looks around, and then you got Travis Fulgham leading the team in receiving yards this year with Greg Ward, Richard Rogers in the top four receiving yards, and then Jalen Rager right there. And we're talking about Rodgers being pissed off. I'd be pissed off if I'm Wentz. You were sitting there at home watching the draft. You're like, okay, let's hope my team actually drafts me someone this year. Oh, Justin Jefferson's available. I know we didn't get traded up to get C.D. Lamb like we wanted, but man, we get Justin Jefferson. Well, dubs here. The Philadelphia Eagles stake Jalen Rager, wide receiver, TCU. Okay, well, he's fast. He's fast. Questionable hands, okay, but he's fast. We can work with that. Because that's the direction the NFL is going. You can blame Tyreek Hill for that. Um, and then the second round comes. Okay, what else do we need? We need some other. We need some help on defense. The Eagles select Jalen Hurts, quarterback, Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. Apparently, the Eagles told them they were going to draft him. So, that, that makes it a tiny bit better. Because the Packers didn't tell Rodgers they were drafting or love. Um, here before. Oh, we might get DK Metcalf, who was, on my draft thing, the number one wide receiver, even though he was coming off the neck injury. For what he could do was just ridiculous. Obviously, it was him and Hollywood Brown's number one and two. Hollywood Brown ended up going number one out of the receivers to Baltimore. That hasn't really worked out. Uh, But DK's balled out in Seattle. Oh, DK Metcalf slipping into the late second round? Let's just scoop him up. The, Seattle, the Philadelphia Eagles select J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, wide receiver, Stanford. 
Okay, well, we can. he's a pretty good wide receiver at Stanford. He had a good, a good career at Stanford, which he did. And then we go to the NFL. You're throwing to Jalen Rager and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who have played a combined, what, 14 games? They each played seven games out of the, what, 12 they've played, their team has played this year? While D.K. Metcalf and Justin Jefferson are, again, first and fourth in the league in receiving yards? Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, Justin Jefferson, uh, will he win Rookie of the Year? Uh, probably should, really. But I think, it'll, again, it will go, probably go to Justin Herbert. There's good rookies this year. Burrow was in the running before he tore his ACL. Then you have Herbert. James Robinson's got to be in the mentions as well. Justin Jefferson. There's been some good rookie play this year. Tristan Wirfs has played very good. Um, Jedrick Wills for Cleveland's played very good this year. There's been a lot of good rookies this year. A lot of good rookies. Good year for rookies. Even defensively as well. Chase Young, Antoine Winfield, Jeremy Chin. Ballers. Chin and Winfield were day two picks. Which is even crazier. But yeah. uh, Wentz benched Jalen Hurts in. So hopefully for Eagles fans' sake, I have no real beef for Eagles fans. I have a friend that's an Eagles fan. My dad tweeted at him today. Said, hey, you might need to go buy a new jersey. Um... Yeah, tough tough season. Being, I am going nine and seven. Uh, I did not see three eight and one in their future. I should have coupled in that they were going to have a ton of injuries, regardless of what was going to happen to them this season. They were going to have a ton of injuries. But yeah, like again, we talk about Wentz being or Rogers being pissed off. I'd be pissed off if I was Carson Wentz. They built a freaking statue of. Nick Foles right outside the stadium. Your backup. They built a statue of your freaking backup in outside of your stadium. They drafted Jalen Hurts. And now you're benched. Throwing to Travis Fulgham and no, off- uh, no offense, but Richard Rodgers. Sorry, I'd be pissed if I was Wentz. While I'm watching DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson ball out when my team drafted another guy a few picks before. It's not like really far ahead of the other team that drafted them, ahead of Seattle and Minnesota, one spot ahead of Minnesota, and if my memory serves me, like three spots ahead of Seattle when they took DK? Just to double check, again, I think this is right, but I've got to double check. Arstega Whiteside was drafted 57th. DK, I'm pretty confident, was drafted 62nd, because he was the last pick, or no, he's probably 64th then, because he was the last pick of the second round, if I remember correctly. 68, 64th. So, seven picks before DK Metcalf, you draft J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. One pick before Justin Jefferson, you draft Jalen Rager. This isn't like Oakland or Las Vegas, whatever. Drafting Henry Ruggs, then, oh, well, 11 picks later, you could have had Justin Jefferson. They went with the speed thing, but the thing, the difference between Ruggs and Jalen Rager is the fact Ruggs had like two catches, two drops his entire time at Alabama. It was some ridiculous number of how his catches to drop ratio was like ridiculous. I don't remember what it was because I remember talking about that a lot during the draft. But yeah, I feel bad for Carson Wentz a little bit. Go from winning the MVP to having your backup win the Super Bowl, which I don't think he cares about that. It's more of the statue thing, drafting the quarterback, the drafting two wide receivers that were not as high of prospects as the two that went right after them, literally right after them, in the case of Rager and Justin Jefferson. 
Like, I don't even know what they were looking at there. It's obvious. It. If you wanted Rager, at least get some cap draft capital out of it and trade back. Don't waste it and draft him over Justin Jefferson. Now, Jalen Rager could turn out to be an awesome receiver in the NFL. But you're passing a guy that's literally fourth in the NFL in receiving yards and is about to break the all-time rookie record for receiving yards in a single season. You don't think Wentz would have liked Justin Jefferson in Philadelphia? Man. I don't know. It's Philly. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, again, don't have any beef towards Philly. Don't have really any like for Philly. Don't really care. But, man, everybody hates on Carson Wentz this year, but their organization stinks right now. And I'd be really surprised if Howie Roseman, and we've talked about this even before this kind of, kind of before the shit hit the fan this season with the Eagles, of Doug Peterson possibly losing his job. They might just clean house. Yeah, they won a Super Bowl. Congratulations, but this is Philly. They're not a very forgiving people. It's a lot of what have you done for me lately type things. You saw what they did with Andy Reid. One of the nicest coaches in NFL history. One of the best offensive minds in NFL history. You drafted a literal clone of him in Doug Peterson. <laughs> he like played quarterback for him and coached under him. Man. Yeah, I would not be shocked if Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson are gone after this season. I would be very shocked if they both kept their jobs. Similar to the likes of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. The Falcons did it. Got rid of Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn. The Texans did it, got rid of Bill O'Brien and Bill O'Brien. <laughs> the Lions did it, I think. The Jaguars just fired their GM, but you have... If Jacksonville, I mean, for meme purposes, I would love Doug Marone to stay forever in Jacksonville. But, you know, if you want to get better, you can't have Doug Marone. I'd go out and hire your former quarterback, Byron Leftwich. One of the best young coaches in the NFL right now. I would go out and get him to be your next head coach. I think it'd be a really cool head coaching job there. Brian Byron Leftwich going back to his old team. But then you get the whole situation of former player. Do we have we liked him as a player? I mean, I don't know if Jacksonville really liked him. He didn't do a lot in Jacksonville. But I think he'd be a good coach down there. I think he'd fit in very nice down there, coaching your former team. You know everything around there. You know everything works. Go in and do your thing. Uh but yeah, Greg Williams, he won't be getting a head coaching job. He just got fired, sadly. I know. It's sad times. Not very surprising, but sad times. Uh, it's just funny. I, I, we're acting like... I mean, well, I think most people... I shouldn't say we're acting. Like, most people know what he was doing. Raiders are about to beat the Raiders. Let's blitz. I mean, on one hand, you could go like, well, Derek Carr's not very fast. So we get pressure on him. Maybe we could get him. But the spy thing was stupid as well. It's not like Derek Carr's going to rush for 50 yards easily. He's not... I think this got brought up. He's not Michael Vick. He's not Lamar Jackson. Not saying he's a freaking statue, but he's he's not he's not the most fat he's not the fastest quarterback out there. So Greg Williams lost his job the next day. Adam Gase being Adam Gase, just typical Adam Gase stuff. Uh, don't really need to talk about the Bills that much. Um, didn't really surprise any. Nothing really surprised me last night. Everything that happened, I kind of already knew. 49ers get beat deep. If they want to get better, they might as well just go after a corner in this draft because they have no speed in the secondary. You should have seen, if you didn't watch the game, you should have seen how far Sherman was playing back of Diggs. He didn't cover Diggs like the entire night. Stuck him on Jason, stuck Jason Verrett on him. There's no disrespect to Jason Verrett. He's a very good corner when healthy. But, like, he was playing 
12 yards back every single time. He's like basically the same line as the safeties. Most of the time, you can even see him on the screen. And they got beat by a simple, not even a really, Gabe Davis didn't even really change his route. He just ran straight. Josh gave a, not even a big pump fake and beat him. They're so slow in the secondary. Good Lord. They're good corners, but they have no speed in the secondary, which was something that I thought they would address this offseason, which they didn't, but we'll have to see how that is. And do they go after quarterback this draft? I don't know. Uh, I would be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if Jimmy G went back to New England. I, Bill Belichick didn't want to get rid of him in the first place. So why make makes sense to bring him back? I would take him back if I was New England. You have uh, chemistry there. Bill Belichick really likes him. Uh, Josh McDaniels has worked with him before. Bill Belichick, I think, just wants the quarterback because he's not coaching him. I think everybody kind of forgets that from time to time. The Bill Belichick is a defensive player, defensive coach. He's the Patriots' D coordinator. He's not the offensive coach, but not saying he doesn't do anything in the offense. But he's not an offensive guy. He's a genius, legendary defensive coordinator. Stopped the Bills' offense in the '91 Super Bowl against the Giants. Completely derailed the offense just by one simple thing. Stop Thurman Thomas. They did, and the Giants won the Super Bowl on a missed field goal, which, of course, they had to bring up on Monday Night Football. Uh, Josh balled out. Again, national media game. Uh, he's back in the MVP race. Uh, there's really wasn't anything that I saw that really was like, wow, I did not know that coming into this game or didn't know that he could do that. Everything that happened last night was pretty much what's been going on the entire season. Josh balled out. Uh, Diggs is very good. Cole Beasley is very good. Uh, Zach Moss fumbled at the one yard line. Uh, Trey White's back. He has three interceptions the last four games or something like that. He's back, which is awesome. Uh, Micah Hyde played very good. Tremaine Edmonds played very good. Uh, yeah, nothing really surprised me. Niners offensively didn't do a ton. Did a little bit, but missed opportunity. A lot of missed opportunities for San Francisco in that game as far as offensive goes. Got stuffed on the one-yard line, then Zach Moss handed the ball right back with a fumble. And then they got stuffed at the one-yard line by Micah Hyde, and then Trey White picked it off the next play. So quarterback-wise, I would not be very surprised if they didn't draft a quarterback. Maybe not in the first round, but as I said, Mac Jones might be one of those quarterbacks that kind of slips to the second round. Because, again, he doesn't do a lot of things spectacular. He's got very good weapons on either side of him and Smith and Waddle. And Waddle's been out a little bit, but... Devontae Smith's, yeah, okay, we know who Devontae Smith is. At least a lot more people know about him now. But, yeah, he'll pro- he'll either be a late first-round pick or early second-round pick. He'll be a starter. I think he'd fit in very nicely with the Niners. You don't even need to get Jimmy G to New England. He can even wear his number 10 jersey. Look at that, perfect. Yeah. We got a lot of teams that need quarterbacks this year. Jets obviously taking Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Sam Darnold, where does he go? Don't know. Do I? Does he have it? What is it? I, I don't know if he has it. I don't know if he has quote-unquote it. He looks shaky every single time he does anything. And there was an insider. This, again, this is from Barstool. It said NFL insider has the Patriots a potential landing spot for Sam Darnold. Uh, that would be the most Jets thing ever. Sam Darnold goes to play under Bill Belichick and the Jets, the Patriots going to win more Super Bowls with two people that should have been of the Jets organization and Darnold and Belichick. But Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. We know that. We know this, man. 
Coach Smokey. Uh, what else do we want to talk about today? Oh, this was just funny. This is just kind of funny. But we brought up Wentz. I was I forgot to bring this up earlier. Over the past five weeks, this is from Saturday. Over the past five weeks, Carson Wentz has uh, more end zone completions to a player named Diggs than Josh Allen. Unfortunately, Wentz for Wentz, they're all defensive backs. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that obviously means Quandre Diggs and Trayvon Diggs, the cornerback for the Cowboys and the safety for the uh, Seahawks, used to be for the Lions. And Josh Allen was Stephon Diggs. But yeah, and then I saw this, uh, Pro Football Focus, redrafting 2020 wide receivers. Uh, Austin Gale, I don't know if you've watched this year, but in what world are you still drafting Jerry Judy above Justin Jefferson? I'm sorry, I don't get that. I understand your logic here. Nothing against Jerry Judy. I like Jerry Judy, but if you're really still, if you are still drafting Jerry Judy above Justin Jefferson, I'm sorry. Now you put Jerry 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 Judy too. That didn't really bother me, but you cannot still draft Henry Ruggs or not uh, Jerry Judy above Justin Jefferson. You can't. That is that is illegal. But sir, is that legal? As Oh, crap, Viceroy says in Star Wars. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot of interesting shakeups this offseason with quarterbacks and stuff like that. Jets, obviously, taking Trevor Lawrence. I'm just going to quickly run through the draft order as of right now, again, through mockdraftdatabase.com, which is the website we used the other day when we did. That wasn't even really a mock draft. It was just like, let's try to get to the Bears and think what the Bears would do with this pick. Without actually doing a mock draft, but with while doing one at the same time, if that makes any sense. Uh, the Jets, they'll take a quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Justin Fields will go second to the Jaguars. Bengals won't draft. Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles won't draft one. Panthers, Falcons, Dolphins, Broncos won't draft one. Washington football team, I bet just because of this season and with one quarterback playing a lot of games and being talked to the Heisman candidacy, and one quarterback playing one game and having his worst game in college, they're going to draft Zach Wilson from BYU. Lions, maybe, maybe the Lions draft a quarterback. Could be an interesting one. They get a new head coach this offseason. He wants to draft his own quarterback. Trade Matthew Stafford somewhere else. Get another guy. But the Bears, they have more needs than quarterback, but they're going to draft one. So Trey Lance will be going to Chicago. Uh, Niners, if they draft one, it'll be Kyle Trask. But they could go with like a corner in the first round as well if they wanted to. Because there's a couple good corners in this draft. Like Patrick Sertan, Caleb Farley, Sean Wade, J.C. Horn. Like uh, we got a few good corners here that we could take. So I wouldn't be surprised with that. But if they go quarterback, Kyle Trask is the next one available. Or best one available. Patriots, I think they'll go with Jimmy G if they the Niners make him available. Uh, next team that could take a quarterback, the Saints. But Taysom Hill's actually been playing very, very good since being the Saints starting quarterback. But now, granted, it hasn't been against like the elite defenses of the NFL. I think it's been two against the Falcons and one against the Broncos. Yeah. So it hasn't been like amazing teams that they've been playing, but yeah. Falcons, Broncos, Falcons. He threw his first touchdown pass against the Falcons, but Maybe the Saints feel like he's the guy. If they want to take Mac Jones, go ahead if they want him there. Or if they want to stick with the Taysom Hill-Jameis Winston thing and just go with Taysom Hill but have Jameis there as an experienced backup. And then the Niners, I could see them taking Mac Jones if they don't take Kyle Trask in the first round and address another position. Or the Bears, if they draft an offensive lineman, which they desperately need, and then take Mac Wilson, 
say, in the second round. That's another very viable option there for the Chicago Bears. So, with that being said, uh, we went a little over time today. I had more stuff that I wanted to talk about, but I wanted to go more in-depth in the mock draft thing than I did just now. But just cut, talking on quarterbacks, we talked a lot of quarterbacks today, with especially with the Eagles thing happening. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you all today. Hope you all have a great day. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. Go Remember to follow the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media. Go follow it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like the Facebook page. And I will see you all later. Peace.